All right, well, good morning. Um, glad to see you're all here. For those of you who maybe might not know it, maybe you uh, might be a guest with us. My name is Thomas. I'm one of the pastors here with the church. And I get the chance to preach about once a month. Uh, Pastor Brett is usually up here preaching, but I'm here about once a month. And uh, glad to be back in the rotation here with you this morning. Today, I mostly just want to focus here with you guys on just one verse. Okay, we're going to probe just one verse today. Matthew 4.4. 4. Matthew 4.4 4 says, uh, or this is Jesus speaking, and he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man shall live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, of course, there are um, uh, various um, uh, ways and, and avenues that we hear from society sort of challenging us to sort of go out there and, and, and grab a hold of life and just live life to the fullest, really go and get the deepest and the true life that you can. Carpe diem, we hear that, seize the day, right? Live life to the fullest. And you know, if you do a Google search on that idea of uh, living life to the fullest, sort of seizing the day, you'll get articles like this. Uh, articles titled, 101 Ways to Live Your Life to the Fullest, or 20 Timeless Tips to Make the Most Out of Life, or 39 Ways to Live and Not Merely Exist. But Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So not by 101 tips but by the very words of God. And I think that's helpful um, in light of Pastor Brett's message last Sunday. I think it's helpful because it speaks to this question of um, how will we be sustained? How will we get fed and nourished to be sustained for our mission? So with Jesus, along with him, we are, we're building the church. Jesus is building the church through us in various ways, making disciples of our kids, making disciples of our spouse, making disciples of our neighbors or others, and that can get tiring. That can get tiring. Pastor Brett mentioned that last week. It can get tiring, and it's certainly okay to rest, but don't quit, right? Don't quit. And... Uh, but to the point of resting, how do we get fed to be strengthened, to be rejuvenated, to get refreshed for this task of making disciples? Or as we say around here, uh, living life together on mission. How do we get fed for that? And at least part of an answer to that comes from Jesus here, I think. It's not an exhaustive answer. But it is uh, certainly part of an answer, and perhaps it's really the foundation of any answer that we might give to that. Uh, I think we get that from Jesus here. Matthew 4, 4 again. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The main nourishment for us, it's every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what I want to do with the message here today, pretty simple. Pretty straightforward, pretty basic. All I want to do is just probe at that one verse a little bit. What does Jesus have in mind when he says this? And what, that, what, what, what uh, might that mean for us? Okay, so that said, if you have your Bibles with you, 
You can open those up, please. Go to Matthew. If you don't have a Bible with you, please raise your hand. We'll get one into that hand. But uh, you can open up to Matthew chapter 3. We'll start reading at the end of chapter 3, verse 16. And then we'll go down into chapter 4, down to verse 11. So before we read, let's pray again, please. Uh, Lord, my uh, simple request here for myself and for all of us in the room is just simply that you would help us. That you would help us to hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, John, uh, Matthew three sixteen and following. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to, them, and he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Amen. So there it is, Matthew 4, 4, uh, uh, in the middle of this really dramatic scene. The devil himself here on this direct sort of full frontal assault uh, here against Jesus. And man, this is really a massively important scene in Scripture. Okay, just hugely important for us. I just want to point out one thing here to start uh, before we press in more specifically to, to Matthew 4, 4. Just one thing generally here about this overall scene of Jesus in the wilderness. Uh, definitely several things could be said. I'm just going to mention one. And that is that this whole scene here is just massively important for us in order to make it possible for us to be rescued, in order for it to be possible for us to be saved from our sin, to be rescued from our sin and, its, and all of its broken consequences. And, and uh, how is that, you might, ans- you might ask? Well, Jesus was tested here, obviously, but ultimately we see that Jesus passed this test, right? We see that ultimately he passed. He succeeded here where others have failed. And that is hugely important for us. Uh, D.A. Carson sums it up like this. He says that Adam and Eve yielded to temptation so that sin entered this world. Back in Genesis 3. So Adam and Eve, the first people, they, they were tested and they failed. And sin entered into the world. 
Carson goes on, the Israelites, they failed their test and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Another kind of testing. How would Jesus respond? Carson says, he resists temptation. Thereby, and here's the important piece, thereby Jesus remained qualified for his mission of being a sinless sacrifice for the sins of humanity. So that is just huge here, that, that, that Jesus would pass this test where others have failed. Because ultimately we needed Jesus to go to the cross, right? But not only did we need Jesus to go to the cross, but we needed him to get there perfect. We needed him to get to the cross sinless, totally righteous, because it's that perfection that would qualify Jesus to actually be the sacrifice that we need. I once had a, 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 somebody tell me that they, they didn't think that it was really all that impressive or really all that heroic of Jesus to go to the cross and do what he did. And, and the reason that he said that is, is because he said, you know, if I knew that all the world is going to hell in a handbasket and all I had to do was go die on a cross and I could save everybody, I would do that, he said. That, that, that seems like if I knew that I could save the whole world, I would do that. So it didn't seem very heroic for Jesus in his mind to go to the cross. But here's the deal. Even if he was willing to go, or if anybody else would be willing to go, it wouldn't work. Because they wouldn't be qualified. Because they weren't perfect. The sacrifice that we need for our sin is a perfect sacrifice. Perfect, righteous, sinless, and that is Jesus. That's our Savior. That's Jesus. And uh, so it's not just that Jesus uh, is going, you know, going to the cross is heroic, though it is that, but it was necessary that it be Jesus that went to the cross because he's the only one who actually could pair, pair the, uh, bear the penalty for our sins that we need. He's the only one that could go to the cross and make it count for anything. So uh, we needed Jesus to go to that cross. And like Pastor Brett pointed out last week, we needed Jesus to stay on that cross. And we needed him to stay on that cross through death so that he could be that sacrifice for our sins. But man, even before that, we needed Jesus to stay right here in Matthew 4. We needed Jesus to stay in the wilderness. We needed him to stay and endure and pass this test that nobody else could pass, that others had failed before them. We needed him to pass this test and reverse what happened with Adam and Eve. Reverse the failure of Adam and Eve. We needed him to reverse the failure of the nation of Israel. We need a, a perfect and sinless substitute to bear the penalty of our sin. Frank Thielman says this, um, theologian, Bible scholar, he says this whole passage helps us to just appreciate the substitutionary nature of Jesus' death. It could bring about the forgiveness of sin by a just God. However, he says, only if Jesus himself were without sin. And this, this victory here in the wilderness uh, for Jesus, it just plays a unique part in, in Jesus proving his sinless perfection. Okay, so I just wanted to, to start with that, just point out that, that hugely significant scene here with Jesus in, uh, in the wilderness overall. 
much more could be said, but I wanted to make that point. And, and with that in mind, let's look here um, at, more at uh, Matthew 4, 4 specifically. So if we read again Matthew 4, look at verse 1 to verse 4. Uh, so starting at w- verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Pause there for a second. He was hungry. Of course he was hungry. I mean, he had not eaten in 40 days. Okay? This is uh, uh, probably quite an understatement. Um, uh, I looked into this just a little bit. Um, Some of you might know this, but medical people, they'll tell us that generally it appears that uh, humans can survive without any food for about 30 to 40 days, as long as they are uh, properly hydrated. And these medical folks would go on to say that severe symptoms of starvation begin around 35 to, to 40 days, and death will come uh, somewhere around 45 days, maybe, maybe as much as 61 days, again, if there's good hydration. And so to say that Jesus was hungry here is a massive understatement, really. Jesus was absolutely maxed out here. He was acutely weak, um, I, I, I imagine. Acutely weak, not just as in, in his body, but in his, his mind as well, and, and in his thinking. And it's at this, this weakest of points, then, verse 3... At this weakest of points, the tempter came and said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's just amazing to me. You you think Jesus here on on the verge of starvation, maybe even symptoms of starvation starting to set in, and he's got the power to literally pick up a stone and turn it into a loaf of bread. This is Jesus. And he has the power to do that. And he says, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what does Jesus have in mind here? Okay, what does Jesus have in mind here? Well, I want to uh, point out just a couple things. Really a couple different levels of meaning here, I think, and, 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 and a couple different levels of application then, I think. First of all, living by every word of God here. Um, one sense of it is, I think, simply the Bible. Okay, that makes sense, right? Jesus resists the devil here specifically by saying, it is written. In other words, it is written in the Bible. Okay, and then uh, Jesus quotes the Bible, uh, Deuteronomy 8, specifically in this case. And so just one basic application of this verse, I think, is simply that we would recognize our need to essentially eat the Bible. Okay, this is metaphorical language, of course, just just as our physical bodies need physical food, well, so our inner being, our, our, our soul, our, our heart, our spirit needs food. And, and one application of this here is simply to know that that food for us is the Bible. It is the words here in the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. It's the word of God. And we feed our souls by reading it, uh, by studying it, by praying it, singing it, talking about it. 
and so on. We, we feed our souls, uh, I would say, not just by these things, not just by reading it or hearing it, but we especially feed our souls by believing it, and that especially by believing and trusting the promises of God that are in the Bible. And I think we can see that uh, just a bit here um, in light of the verse that Jesus quotes. Um, that, that, that we want to trust, we want to eat the promises of God. So he quotes Deuteronomy 8. Um, and this is where Moses is speaking to the Israelites. And, and Moses speaks to them. Uh, they're out in the wilderness. And he speaks to them as to why God fed them uh, in the wilderness with this thing called manna. This stuff called manna. Manna. It was this strange... Um, uh, strange uh, but miraculous stuff that essentially just fell out of the sky uh, as the Lord commanded that. So Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, it says this. Um, Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, Moses is speaking to the Israelites and he says, God humbled you and let you hunger and he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. So this was just outside of their experience, outside of anything they could control. God just fed them with this miraculous stuff called manna. And Moses says he did that so that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus quoted that. So God gave the Israelites this manna stuff out there in the wilderness, and he did that so that they would learn something. Okay? Namely, so that they would learn that people cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, this manna was symbolic for the uh, people of God here. It was a sign. It pointed to something beyond itself. It especially pointed to the faithfulness of God to keep his promises. God promised that he would provide for them daily, that he would meet their needs daily, and this manna was proof positive of that, and it pointed to those promises and, his, and, and the fact that God does fulfill his promises. He's faithful. And so one application of, of the verse here, again, Matthew 4, 4, it's simply that we would eat the Bible, that we would read it, in other words, that we would study it, we would learn it, we would pray it, we would speak it, and, and so on. We would eat the Bible to feed our souls. And, and, and if, you, if you think that the Bible might have food groups in it, I don't know if we could say that, but if it does, man, our souls are, are, are going to be fed most deeply, especially when we feed on those parts of the Bible that, that speak to the promises of God and, and, and help us to understand how God is faithful, excuse me, to, faithful to keep those promises. So I think one application here um, is that, that we would eat the Bible, essentially, um, or especially, I should say, the, the, the promises of God that we find in the Bible. But secondly, um, another level of meaning here, and really this is uh, a deeper one, I think, and a more foundational, more fundamental meaning, and a deeper, deeper application then as well. And it, it, it is that, that, that it's not just that we would feed on the Bible, uh, not just the promises of God in the Bible in general, but it's that we would feed more specifically on God's promises fulfilled in Jesus himself. It's that we would not just eat the Bible, but that we would eat Jesus himself. 
Okay, and I know that sounds strange. Uh, uh, eat Jesus. It sounds strange, and, and it is strange, and it should grab our attention. Um, eat Jesus. Of course, that sounds strange. And, uh, uh, of course, if you've been in the Bible much, you know the Bible has a lot of strange things um, in it. Um, uh, incidentally, I think the manna, the whole manna uh, thing is rather strange. And Jesus said some really strange things. In fact, um, I've often thought about doing this. I don't know if uh, just cataloging some of the crazy things that Jesus has said. I'm not going to do it now, but I wonder if you've ever thought about that. How often Jesus says things that he, this guy has got to be a cult leader of some sort. I mean, he, he, this guy is not in his right mind. He says some crazy, crazy things, including that we should eat his flesh and drink his blood. Okay, that is strange. And I, I don't think that he maybe has said anything more strange than that. It's probably the strangest thing that I think Jesus has said. It doesn't probably get a whole lot uh, more cult leader-like than to say something like that. But, he, but Jesus talks like this. If you look over at John chapter 6 with me, please. Actually, do please turn there because we're going to be spending some minutes in John 6. So John 6, we'll start reading at verse 31. John 6, 31. And at this point in the book, John, uh, this book of John, uh, Jesus had just, just earlier uh, than verse 31, he had just taken just a few, um, a few fish, a few loaves of bread, and he multiplied that to feed thousands. Okay, just a few fish, just a few loaves of bread, and he fed thousands with it. Um, so now, late, a little bit later on, verse 31, the crowd was there, verse 31, and they say, Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Pause there for a second. So the manna from, uh, uh, for the Israelites in the wilderness. Uh, in their wilderness experience there, they were given manna, and that manna was only ultimately a symbol. It was pointing to something. It was a sign pointing to God's faithfulness to keep his promises. And here Jesus clearly is saying that ultimately it was a sign pointing to him. This manna points us to Jesus. And I just think that's amazing. Um, uh, and, and really, uh, just a side note here, um, this is one way that we start to see Jesus, to find Jesus in all of Scripture. Uh, I don't know how many of you, uh, well, I do know how many of you, I was in the class with you, but many of you, I should say, uh, uh, got to take part in Pastor Brett's class that was before this, seeing or finding Jesus in all of Scripture. Um, and so you're starting to get a little bit of a taste of this. And if you uh, weren't in the, in the class this morning, I would definitely encourage you to start partaking in that starting next Sunday. But seeing Jesus, we, we see Jesus here um, connected back to the manna in the Old Testament. And if you keep reading here, verse 48, uh, verses 48 
down to 51, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that, that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Pause there. So, so Jesus uh, says that he is the bread of heaven. He himself is essentially the new manna, the true manna. And the bread that he gives is his flesh. He gives his flesh. That might sound familiar. You think of John 3.16, the famous John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave. He gives, he gave uh, his only son. In other words, he gave Jesus to die on the cross. That's what that means. That he gave his only son. He gave Jesus to die on the cross ultimately. So in other words, the bread that Jesus offers to the world is his body. But more specifically, it is his body killed on the cross. It's his body sacrificed on the cross. The bread that Jesus offers is himself fulfilling his mission to go to the cross. So, bear that in mind. And then finally, you keep reading down to verse uh, verse 53, verses 53 and 54. This is where the imagery gets a little crazy, I think. Verse 53, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. You can stop there. So man, strange, strange words from Jesus here. Eat his flesh. Drink his blood. Now, of course, Jesus is speaking metaphorically here. Um, So what does he mean? Back up in uh, verse 35, John 6, 35, Jesus essentially tells us what he means. We know that he's not speaking literally. He's speaking metaphorically, and this is what he means. John 6, 35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So in other words... For Jesus to say that we need to eat his flesh and we need to drink his blood here, what he means is is that we we come to him. It it means that we need to believe in him. That is, that we would believe in his mission. That we would believe that he is, in fact, the promised and the perfect Savior who ultimately did get to the cross, broken body, spilled out blood to atone for the sins of all of those who would trust in him for that. And so get that. When, when Jesus is tempted here by the devil in Matthew 4, and when he goes on to quote Moses, speaking about this manna and, and living by every word that comes from the mouth of God, get this, he is ultimately talking about himself. He means to say that man does not live by bread alone, but by me. That's what Jesus is saying. Man lives by me because of my mission to go to the cross because I ultimately fulfilled that mission. This is what Jesus is saying. And so if all you eat, if all I eat is physical food, eventually we are going to die, right? But, but if we eat Jesus, in other words, if we believe in Jesus, then we will live. 
the, the truest life, the deepest life, eternal life, Jesus says. John eleven twenty five, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. He will be raised up again. He will be resurrected from the dead, just like Jesus was. Just like Jesus was. You, you, you've heard the saying, you are what you eat. We eat Jesus. Jesus was raised from the dead. We get raised from the dead. And that's, and that's the truest of life. And it's no coincidence, I don't think, that uh, the first chapter of John, John chapter 1, uh, Jesus is explicitly labeled as the Word of God. So Jesus is this, the, the, the eternal Word of God who became man, lived a perfect life, whose body was broken, whose blood was spilled out to atone for the sins of his people. And we eat Jesus, so to speak, when we in fact believe that ourselves. And actually, even for Jesus himself, even for Jesus himself, so you think of Jesus here, he, he quotes Deuteronomy 8.3, um, and when he quotes that, and he means by that, that we don't live by bread alone, but we live by him, well, that actually goes for Jesus as well. So it's not as if Jesus is saying, you know, well, I'm going to live by some random promise here in the Bible, but for you to live, you need to eat me. Okay, no, he's not saying that. It goes for Jesus too, that strange as it sounds, Jesus himself, to get the truest life, also, in a sense, feeds on himself. The, the bread that Jesus offers, remember, is essentially his death on the cross. Okay, in other words, the, it's the fulfillment of his mission. And, uh, and actually, Jesus said in John 4, John 4, 34, Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So even for Jesus himself, in a sense, even Jesus needs to feed on himself. He's, because he's nourished himself by pressing through and uh, pressing through the temptation and the challenges here to carry, through, to, to carry through here to fulfill the mission that God gave him. So, so it's, uh, it's for Jesus himself as well. So Matthew 4, 4 here, living by every word of God. I think there's a couple levels of meaning, a couple levels of application. Number one, again, eat the Bible. Okay, feed on it, meaning... Make it a priority to read it, to study it, to learn it, to meditate on it, to pray through it, to sing it, to talk about it, to, to, and so on. And do that especially with regard to those parts of the Bible that will help you to, to, to uh, hear the promises of God and trust the faithfulness of God to fulfill those promises. And there is no greater promise of God, there is no greater uh, of, God, of the fulfilling of God's promises than Jesus himself. Jesus himself. And so, um, uh, eat the Bible. Do that, especially with an eye to, to seeing how it all points to Jesus. Jesus himself said in John 5, he said, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you might have eternal life. You search the scriptures for life. And Jesus says, It is they that bear witness about me. Okay? So, ultimately then, a second level of meaning for Matthew 4.4 here. Matthew 4, 4. What is Jesus talking about? Ultimately, I think, a deeper application, I think, is that we feed not just on the Bible generally, but we feed on Jesus himself. Physical bread, physical food, that's going to sustain us physically for a time, here and now. Um, 
Again, even, 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 even without actually that physical food, we might go 30 to 40 days. Maybe we'll make it to 45 days, maybe a little bit longer. But to be sustained spiritually right now and on into eternity, we need to feed on Jesus. To be truly satiated deep in our bones. To be, to be really, truly, fully glutted on the fullness of life. We need to eat Jesus. You can, you can Google search all you want. You might find 101 tips for living that fullest life. And, uh, and man, actually, whatever those tips might be, might even be helpful to a degree. Go for it. But ultimately, they're going to fall moot if they don't have underneath them. If not, ultimately, we are coming to Jesus. We are feasting on Jesus. We are believing in Jesus. Ultimately, that's how man lives. Ultimately, that is how we are sustained, not just for eternal life, but also for our ongoing mission here and now. Building our church, as, G- as uh, Pastor Brett has talked about here in our series in Nehemiah. This is how we are ultimately uh, and most deeply sustained for that mission. And so eat the Bible. Eat the Bible generally, for sure, but especially eat Jesus. Meaning, again, that we believe in him. Believe what he did for you in the past. Okay, he died for you. Believe what he is going to do for you in the future. You will be raised up from the dead to live with him and his people forever. And, and believe who he has made you to be right here and right now. Who you are, your identity, what's true of you. Because of Jesus. You are forgiven. You are the object of God's favor. God loves you. Um, Again, you are forgiven. You're accepted. You're filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to be on God's mission. And, and, And much more could be said about who you are because of Jesus. Now, ultimately, if we're going to eat Jesus, eat this bread of life... Uh, We do that simply by believing in Jesus. By just simply trusting him for salvation. Ultimately, that's eating Jesus. And once once we do that, once we're saved, we're saved, period. Okay, It's, it's secure forever, forever secure to be with Jesus and his people. Um... And uh, we're, we're reminded of that in, the, in John 6, where we just read John 6, 54. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. If we're eating Jesus, Jesus will raise us up on the last day. It's secure. But until that forever comes, uh, and to sustain us on to that time of eternity, we want to keep feeding on Jesus every day. Keep eating Jesus right here and right now. And um, uh, the, the way that we are going to do that is by remembering, again, what Jesus has done for us. By remembering, again, what Jesus is doing for us, who Jesus made us to be right here and now. That's how we will, in the here and now, feed on Jesus. Calling to mind these truths. And as much as you, individual, and me, individual, needs that, the person sitting next to you 
needs that. We all need that desperately to have that, that steady uh, diet of Jesus. And so, so we don't only need to feed on Jesus personally, but we need to feed one another Jesus. We, we give Jesus to one another to eat. And uh, that's the way that we will be most refreshed, most rejuvenated, most sustained for this life together on mission. We, that's what we need. We need to feed Jesus to one another. And again, we do that, we can do that for one another by, by simply speaking up and reminding one another about what is true, about who Jesus is, and about what he has promised for us in the future, and about what he is doing for us right now, who he has made us to be right now, reminding one another of these things. As we help each other to know these things, as we help each other to remember these things, we're feeding Jesus. That's how we feed Jesus to one another. And it can be very simple. For example, Pastor Brett, he's not here right now, Pastor Brett fed me Jesus a couple days ago. How did he do that? Very simple. He sent me an email. Okay? Sent me an email. And that email uh, said a few different things uh, about this, about that. But at the, end of the, at the end of that email, he simply said, quote, simply said this, quote, be encouraged, bro. The Lord loves you. And so do I. The Lord loves you. And so do I. You know what Brett did there? He fed me Jesus. He reminded me of what is true because Jesus is the manna from heaven. Because Jesus is the bread of life that gave his flesh to be killed on the cross. And because Jesus did that, I'm secured. Trusting in him, I'm secured as a child of God. And so God loves me. The Lord loves you. And so do I. I fed on Jesus with, with a, one little line in, in that email. So good. Just so simple. That's how we can feed Jesus to one another. So eat Jesus. Give Jesus for food. He will be better than a hundred and one, a thousand and one, a million and one tips and tricks for living the fullest life. He is going to be the deepest foundation for rest, for rejuvenation that we could possibly hope for as we try to carry on and and make disciples. We cannot live by bread alone, Jesus says, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, not by bread alone, but by Jesus himself. Let's pray. Lord, thank you very much for your sacrifice. Thank you for giving yourself, for giving your flesh Thank you for giving yourself and remaining steadfast to your mission to go to the cross, to be the atoning sacrifice for everyone who would trust in you for it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Help us, Lord, please, to feed on you by remembering what you've done for us, by remembering what you're going to do for us, by remembering who you've made us to be here and now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.